Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back on a Sunday night for your Monday morning delivery. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest big news in mixed martial arts. We get to go over some fights finally as we had our first fight card of the year last night in Las Vegas. UFC Fight Night 217. Plus a lot of drama still. Jeez, it gets old, but we got to discuss it because it involves the biggest names in mixed martial arts. Dana White, Francis Ngannou, John Jones. Some stuff's good. Some stuff oh, hurts. It hurts. It hurts to think about it. We got to talk about it. We're going to discuss it all here on the show. I do have, I believe, all of the pairings for the Bellator Lightweight Grand Prix. I think last time we spoke, we only have, we only had half of that. And, of course, we also got to start turning the page for UFC 283, which takes place in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, on Saturday night. Quick reminder, you'll get many of these. Goes and I will be hosting a uh, watch-along for UFC 283, and it'll be the same bat time and the same bat channel here on MMA Junkie, Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, with the prelims to start things off. Then we'll move into the pay-per-view. Fada Hanun will also do her deal, and that's the UFC 283 preview show, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. All right, guys. So, look, there was some fights this past Saturday. Nothing ex- extraordinary, you know what I mean? There wasn't, like, a crazy card with all kinds of big names. In fact, now that I think about it, should the UFC just start the year with an amazing pay-per-view? Uh, would that kind of, like, light, light the torch for the year? Or do they really need Saturday to promote the following Saturday, which will be the first pay-per-view card of the year? I, I would have loved something big, and I'll tell you what. NASCAR, for example, you know, their biggest race of the whole year is the Daytona 500. It's the first one of the year. So they come out strong. I would say you could probably make a case for both. But I would probably want to line up my first big pay-per-view to go along with either the AFC and NFC championship games or Super Bowl. Kind of piggyback all that. Mm -hmm. Well... This is the wild card round. So next week's divisional. So I guess they're piggybacking that. But I mean, you don't want to get lost in the shuffle of those either. And so I think a good night would have been the conference championships because those both are on Sunday. Then you avoid them. You're all, it's all you on Saturday night. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. next week, when they have when they have the uh, the UFC 283 pay-per-view, it's going to be going up against the divisional round, the divisional playoffs round. And we already know some of the matchups. Kansas, uh, let me see. Kansas City is going to be hosting the Jaguars. And Buffalo is going to be hosting the Bengals. That's in the AFC. What I'm not sure of yet is Saturday, Sunday. 
but there's going to be one of each on Saturday and Sunday, and that goes for the NFC too. The NFC is pretty much done as well. The Eagles are going to host the Giants, and then the 49ers are going to host the winner of Tampa Bay versus Dallas. What do you mean Saturday, Sunday? So there'll be four games this weekend, the divisional round. Two will be on Saturday. Two will be on Sunday. So, again, UFC 283 has a little bit of competition, whereas had they waited one more week, the conference championships are both on Sunday. If that was the case. It's Jacksonville and KC on Saturday and the Giants and the Eagles on Saturday. Oh, I dodged a bullet. Okay. Because I thought maybe the 49ers would be playing that Saturday primetime game and I might have to have my little uh, viewing party, you know. <laughs> we do the, 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 the quiet viewing party while we host the watch along. You had to do that last year. Remember the Green Bay game? I think so. And, you know, uh, Eric Nixick. I feel bad because he's done the last couple watch-alongs. And one day I told him, bro, we're going to have that Florida State game for you, baby. I got an com- extra computer. It'll be flowing. But we were so into the fights that we we didn't uh, we didn't come through. Uh, well, then again, he didn't ask, and I don't think he uh, seemed too worried about it. I think it was a blowout either way. But, uh, yeah. Uh, all right. So at least at least the 49ers aren't on Saturday. That's good news. Let's get to uh, let's let's do the fights. Let's get them over with. We'll pay these men and women some respect. They performed yesterday at the Apex in Las Vegas. Charles Johnson defeated Jimmy Flick. Daniel Argueta defeated Nick Aguirre. Aguirre. Uh, Alan Asimento defeated Carlos Hernandez. Matias Rebecca defeated Nick Fiore. Abdul Razak Al Hassan defeated Claudio Hibedo. Javid Bashra defeated Mateus Mendoza. Uzmar Nurmagomedov defeated Hayoni Barcelos. Raquel Pennington defeated Ketlin Vieira. Roman Kapalov defeated Puna Soriano. Dan Ige defeated Damon Jackson. Sean Strickland defeated Nasruddin Imovov. That's your card. The performances of the night, 50K to 50K. That's right, Dan Ige cashed. Roman Kapalov took home 50. Uh, Nurmi. He took home 50, and Nascimento, he took home 50. There was no fight of the night. All of these fighters got performance of the night, and Dana White went out of his way to say he was also going to bonus a few others. He did say not the entire 50 grand, but they'll be happy. So mm-hmm. that's cool, yeah, I guess. Even half is great, right? Yeah, it is. But again, why is it that like some days you'll just do it and some days you won't? Like, just be consistent, you know what I mean, with that? Because all these fighters fight fight their asses off. They, I think they all want to be on, on cards that have fans. Like, none of them, I don't think, say, oh, man, I'm on the pay-per-view. Hey, any chance I can get on the Apex? I mean, I might be wrong, but I bet you that's that's not usually the case. And usually he gets the warm and fuzzies when he's in the arena and everyone's gone bonkers and stuff. But it doesn't mean they fought any less. I wish he would just come up with something standard you know uh, i'm always happy for those cards where everyone gets bonused or whatever i'm not trying to take anything away from them but i'm just thinking dude this company makes a lot of money at that point just bonus them all or figure it out yeah i wish there would be a little bit more consistency but yeah i guess something's better than other than nothing (laughs) um all right so 
you know, we might as well talk about Strickland. We'll keep going and we'll get into the uh, the, the drama, right? Um, Sean Strickland defeated Nasruddin Imovov. Sean Strickland stepped in and goes on less than a week notice because Kelvin Gastelum couldn't go. They fought at 205. Nasruddin only weighed in like at 194. Strickland weighed in at the full 205 or something like that, 204. So he was 10 pounds bigger, but he also hadn't trained pretty much for the past month since his last fight when he lost to Jared Cannonier, at least according to him. Now, that said, that guy's a gym rat. When I'm in there at Extreme, he's in there. You know, like he's a pretty much a safe bet. Now, on social media, I did see him kind of going out, messing around with a drone and doing some stuff. So, yeah, maybe he did take some time off. And to be fair, I haven't been in there uh, as much in the last month, but I'm just saying consistently throughout the past few years since Strickland's been a part of Extreme Couture, the guy's usually in there. It's like a bar stool. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's not surprising uh, for him to go out. I think, I think for him to take the fight on short notice is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. For him to be able to muster up a win is pretty damn amazing. Um, but I'm glad that he can reset his mindset a little bit now. And and we'll see going forward uh, what this means, right? I know it means a lot to him, but what does it mean for his status amongst the division, his title aspirations? What happens now? Yeah. Well, even though it happened at 205, I think it definitely helps his status at 185. Now, he's no longer like right on the cusp like he was when he was fighting Cannon here. Um, the same night that Pajeda was fighting, uh, sorry, he was fighting Pajeda the same night Cannonier was fighting Izzy. And had he beaten Pajeda, he would have been next for Izzy after Izzy defeated Cannonier. He was really that close. Of course, we know he didn't. Pajeda won. Pajeda fought Izzy. Pajeda's now the man. Um, but then he lost to Cannonier. So, that one knocked him down the ladder a little bit. So he's still kind of a top 10 guy for sure. And because he brought in a five, six, six, five win streak, he'll always kind of, he won't tumble too far down, but yeah, he, uh, he probably needs a few more wins. This one's a nice one. And what it does is I think it makes up some of that money that he lost off of uh, losing win bonuses to the Pajeda fight and yeah. the Cannoneer fight, because he said that Nick Maynard called him and said, Hey, we need you. Can you do this? There's a handsome payday for you waiting. And so he probably got a nice show and win. And I think that'll help in that regard. Plus, come on, man. Who just doesn't want to start the year off with their hand raised and not looking back on a loss, but rather looking back and picking up momentum off a win? Yeah, no, I think, honestly, I think it was best for his head. You know, he was so pissed off at that, that Cannonier fight. Yeah, he brought it up so many times and it got brought up to him so much so much that I feel like now he can maybe turn a page a little bit from that. And um, I think it's going to help him a lot moving forward. And you're right, a paycheck this early in the year, probably the biggest one he's ever gotten. That's a great start to this year. And hopefully he can uh, collect more of those. Yeah, and Ige should go off a 3-5 losing streak. Uh, good for him. That's nice. I really like the win over Damon Jackson, who was hot himself. He had one four straight, but this is a step down from the competition he has. He had been having, you know, he mixed it up with a guy that's fighting for the interim title, which is Josh Emmett. Uh, he also mixed it up with Calvin Cater, or excuse me, uh, Chan Sung Jung, Josh Emmett, and Mozart Evloev. Evloev's undefeated. Emmett's fighting for the interim title, and Chan Sung Jung fought for the title last year. So 
these are definitely, you know, top guns here that he lost to. So no shame in that. He beat Damon Jackson, but hopefully he also regained his confidence so he can go back in there and mix it up with the big cats. I thought what was so cool about Danny Gate, well, for, for starters, great performance in the cage. But I don't know if you caught the the the, the post-fight show and some of the things that, you know, he said to us, and then he reiterated on that show, Dan puts, like, a lot of mental work in. And even when we sit down and talk to him at Extreme Couture, he's very, like, methodical and careful about the things he says. And I really enjoy talking to him. It's really cool, and and I'm glad that he was able to kind of figure out what was going wrong and didn't fall into complete chaos when things just weren't going his way. He he tried to solve it, right? It's like when when somebody tells you that they're depressed, right? One of the first questions you ask them is, well, what are you doing about it, right? Are you just going to accept the fact that you're depressed or do you have some kind of plan to get out of it? He kept formulating plans, plans, trying to figure out how to beat this and how to get out of it. And I feel like he may have turned a corner here. And that and that's good because he's got one of the, the hardest skill sets that you can think of in mixed martial arts. And that's he's always prepared. Like he doesn't really gas out. You know, he's always there physically. It just really comes down to a couple things here and there. And those things can be tweaked. And if he can tweak that, then he can be a real problem for a lot of people. You know, who does gas out is Puna Soriano. I've teased him about it in the past. I've commended him when I've seen him do better at it and not start to tire. To be fair, Roman Kabbalah was tiring as well. Both guys were really, I mean, they just swing so hard. There's so much power. Maybe it's me. Maybe I don't get it. But Puna agrees. So it's not like he thinks, you know, um, I'm out of line or anything like that. Um, it's visible. The audience sees it. The, can, the announcers see it. Um, but man, he took a, a kick to the to the liver that shut him down, and then some follows. My heart broke. I really wanted him and Dan to get that dub. They had never fought together on a UFC card, and they got to do it in Vegas. Only one of them got the win. Uh, I'm bummed out about that, but I wanted Puna to kind of rally off that 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 win that he had over Dalcha in. Long Island, remember that one when he went nuts uh, there at, in in the Coliseum in the East Rutherford? Wait, sorry, I'm thinking of New Jersey. Long Island, yeah. That one was a rough one because you could just kind of see it coming along, coming along, and you knew it was only going to get worse because there were moments where he did do what he wanted to do. He landed that big over-the-top shot. The guy just took it, man. When, when he took it, I thought, uh-oh, this is going to be bad. And just little by little, them shots of the body. This is a rough one. You know, he, he needs to figure out how to sit back and, and reset. But if you listen to Dana White's comments about that fight, you could tell when when things don't go a fighter's way, when the UFC is going to kind of look the other way and, and, and shuffle a guy out or something. He kind of complimented Puna a little bit about how tough he is. And so I, I think Tuna, Tuna, Puna, <laughs> Puna can get a, another <laughs> shot, but he doesn't have much time to figure this out, you know? <laughs> the big kahuna? All right. Um, Raquel Pennington, I better goes. And I get, I get screwed so often that I thought, you know what? I'm just going to take it. But I can't look people in the eye and not say I thought Ketlin better won. Um, not overwhelmingly, though, right? I'll take it, you know, huh? Not overwhelmingly, though. No, right? no, no, no. Not a robbery or nothing. But that was just my feeling. 
So, you know, when they did the split decision graphic, you know, they're showing them both and they're announcing each name. I'm like, here we go, you know. But um, when they announced Raquel, I was like, oh, okay, I will take it. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. but you um, and I aren't judges. We're not watching every freaking strike as it's going down. Mm-hmm. So when I heard that, I kind of went, oh, okay. And then I started instantly. I went to Twitter to see, am I off here? I kind of thought she lost. But it wasn't. But it wasn't like uh, overwhelming me, like where you would pick something up and throw it and go, "Are these guys blind? What the hell's going on?" Like it didn't have that feeling to it. Mm. But I thought every made decisions was very much in favor of Vieira. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was fifty to two, but I know it was something to two, and it looked like at least 10, 15 to two or something like that. But hey, whatever. Don't let it go to the judges. <laughs> this time it benefits me, so I'm giggling. Umar and Magomedov, 16-0. Javid Basharat, 14-0. There's some fighters to look out for, folks, that are really, really making their way. Um, They're backing up their nice records that they bring from overseas and getting down inside the UFC. Mateus Rebecca goes to 17-1. So good stuff. Um, Anything else you want to discuss about this card? You want to move on to the the heavy-duty stuff? Heavy-duty stuff. All right. So afterwards, we had already gotten pretty much an inkling of what was happening. Except, you know, in the days of Photoshop and all the trickery that happens on social media, we weren't sure of a banner that was posted on the T-Mobile that showed Cyril Gone versus John Jones, March 4th, UFC 286, uh, 285, excuse me. Uh, hey, is this a Photoshop? What's going on? It's being passed around. It, it, it kind of looked like it could be a Photoshop, honestly. But the UFC manned up and said, nope, it was our mistake. T-Mobile messed up. We messed up. Cat was let out of the bag. But yeah, the announcement is Cyril Gon will fight John Jones in the main event at UFC 285. Hey, we should be happy, right? Cool. Jones hasn't fought in three years. We get to see him at heavyweight finally debut. Cyril Gon's back. Awesome. Does the winner fight Francis? So Francis's injuries is not coming along as fast as we as we thought. Is this one for the intro? No, this one's for the vacant UFC heavyweight title. Oh my God, the UFC and and Francis Ngannou have parted ways. They attempted to negotiate a, a, a new contract, couldn't figure it out, and I guess they were so far that the UFC not only elected to uh not resign or cut them or whatever they uh they pretty much will not hold him back so he doesn't need, there's not even like that holding period or anything like that where another promotion has to wait 90 days to sign him he's free to go out and sign and do something and he's gone that's it goes he's gone and there's nothing we can do about it he's gone this is going to sound crazy, maybe, but hear me out. I think this is the best thing that could have happened for both of them. Okay. And I think the reason they released him and didn't bother with the whole, let's hold on to him, matching clauses, all that, is because they picked up on something too. It's no, it's not a, it's a no brainer. Francis and Ghanu will probably want to box. And it's probably going to be one of the big names, right? Right. Wilder, Fury, more than likely Fury. He is going to make a lot of money for one fight. One fight that I believe, and I think most people believe, Tyson Fury will dominate. Probably make him look pretty bad. 
Okay, that's, I'm sorry, it's just boxing versus MMA. Uh, we've seen what happens most of the time. When that happens, it's not like people are going to stick around and say, well, he couldn't take Fury out, but what would he do against what? I think it would be pretty clear. This is just an MMA guy, not a boxer. And I think that will be over. And then I think he would probably return to MMA. At what capacity? We don't know. Maybe even BKFC, right? But I don't know that BKFC has the type of money to be thrown around like that. And God help whoever's on the other side of Francis Ngannou in that sport. But I think the UFC knows that that's going to happen and he'll be back. Okay? If the UFC were to give Francis Ngannou everything he wanted, which is far beyond, I guess, the greatest contract they've ever offered a heavyweight, you set a standard when you do that type of stuff. That's kind of what happened with Conor McGregor that opened the door for so many more headaches. Not saying Conor wasn't worth it, but it did change the game. And every time you do these little changes of the games, a lot of headaches come along with it. And I think the UFC kind of sees that. So I think in a way, plus you got to remember, Francis Ngannou, if he goes in and fights John Jones, big fight. Um, but if he loses, then what? Right? Like, are you going to well, keep... Then Jones is your champ. Huh? Well, then Jones is your champ. Jones is your champ, but now you're paying Francis Ngannou crazy money. I don't know, right? So I think they kind of just said, you know what? Let's just, let's just let this one play out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about all that. Um, so to be clear, Bellator and PFL have already expressed interest in wanting to talk to the Predator. So as David Feldman, the president of BKFC, uh, I imagine one and the world of boxing will come calling as well. Even the celebrity boxing stuff. Jake Paul. <laughs> I noticed Jake Paul ain't calling him out, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I'm just sad. Goes Look, the one thing about MMA, sure, we've lost. What is this? Did I just do this? Sure, we've lost um, some big fights recently when it comes to MMA going over to boxing hasn't gone too well for us. But either way, we've always known, yeah, but if you come here, you're going to get walloped on the streets. You're going to get walloped. Stop it. We did you a favor. You guys make better money. We get it. Um, But there's just always been something pretty special about the passing of the torch where the baddest man on the planet is no longer the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. Even they know it. They may not admit it, but they know it. The UFC is now on year 30. It just began. It'll be 30 years, November 12th in 2023. And so we just begun our 30th year. It's established. The baddest men on the planet are the MMA fighters per division for weight class. Um, And that culminates with Francis Ngannou, a guy that stomped the number two guy, which is Cyril Gone, the number four guy. Well, he's one and one with the number four guy, which is Stipe Miocic. The number seven guy, Curtis Blades, 2-0 and o against him. And then there's a couple other. I think we have, I think he's beaten 12 and 15 as well. Dos Santos, and these are the USA Today MMA Junkie Rankings. Where are they at? Here we go. I want to make sure I'm right on this. So, now I wouldn't say half of the roster. Because I'm just focusing on the top cats. But um, 
quite a few. He's number five, pound for pound, USA Today Sports, MMA junkie. Yeah, two, Cyril Gaon beat him. Uh, Steven Miocic, one and one with him, but thumped him in the last one. Lost to Lewis, respect, most boring fight ever. Curtis Blades, 2-0 and against him. Uh, he also took out Jarzinho Rosenstruck. He's the number 12 guy I was telling you about. And then Junior DeSantos, number 15. So how can the UFC boast having the baddest man on the planet when they don't have Francis Ngannou, for starters? Whoever else has him, sure, they'll be able to boast it for the time being. Um, but what kind of competition will he have elsewhere? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So your pound for pound is going to start to slowly drop. Maybe. I don't know. I'll have to tackle it when it comes, but he just isn't going to get those challenges. And if he goes to bare knuckle, well, that's a whole other animal. But I really enjoy watching Francis compete in mixed martial arts. It's all we've ever waited for. Just somebody with that size. I mean, he's all of 6'5", all of 265, not an ounce of fat on him. And he destroys he breaks jaws. I mean, he sends people to the moon. It's just you're literally in awe after he's done. But after that's us, finished. right? Huh? That's us. That's how we look at it. Like, we want that. But in his eyes, he's already accomplished the biggest feat you could possibly accomplish in the UFC. He's had a belt. He's got gold. I think this dude just wants to get paid. And he knows it's going to come in one big payday in the form of one fight. And he's willing to, uh, you know, I'm not saying he can't make all that money in the UFC, but it's not going to be in one fight. You know, it's going to have to be spread out, and you have to win. Well, that's just the way it works, though, sometimes. I mean, like, let's say I'm the best bowler on earth. I can't say, damn it, I want to make what Messi makes. I'm just in a sport that doesn't pay as much. Now, that's changing slowly but surely, right? And maybe he could have been the guy that took it to that level. Because I'll tell you what, Conor McGregor makes a lot more than a lot of boxers. Maybe, maybe even more than most of them, you know. So, I mean, I, I, I would have wanted him to be there for the first stadium show at Allegiant. I would have wanted him to be for the first card in Africa, and I would have wanted him to break the records that Stephen Miocic had, which is uh, four title defenses and end the trilogy with Stephen Miocic. I, I just think all that was there, waiting for him, and. You know, could he have could could all that have been more lucrative for him somehow? You know, outside of the octagon, maybe he doesn't have his manager Markel with him anymore. Um, I'm not sure he even has representation, so maybe that's where some of the problem might have been. Who knows? But I'll tell you one thing: Tyson Fury, he's left boxing a few times, and he most recently either retired or half retired. Uh, you know what about? Half a year ago, a year ago, he does have a boxing match coming up, but I don't know how much longer that guy wants wants to do it either. And um, so then, who's who's there waiting for him? I guess Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder. I don't know. I, I just I just wish he could have done all this with the UFC. Now all the blame's not on him. The UFC, you know, hey, we offered him something more lucrative than Brock Lesnar. Well, yeah, that was 10 years ago. You should be offering something more lucrative. Everybody, I imagine, is making more money nowadays. You know, uh, I would imagine that even Amaga Madoff at the end was making more than BJ Penn made in his heyday. Right. And for the others. So that, that doesn't mean anything to me. Did you pay him what 
he was worth or did you offer him what he was worth or did you come close or did you maybe could you budge for this one fight and said hey look we realize the jones fight is big so yeah we're gonna we're gonna tack on something extra here but you win that you have to come back down to what our scale is our scale isn't this we're going out of our way because this is just too great and we can't we can't look ourselves in the eye we blew it with gsp and anderson Silva. we blew it with fedor and brock or even fedor and randy back in the day or who what it whatever you know we don't want to blow it here chuck and chuck and vanderley was a little bit late um a few others were just eh, you know a little bit late as well e even nate and connor is going to be it's going to be a little late. And they tripped on that one. It's not even like they planned it and said, look at the foresight on, U on UFC to, to have booked it. If Rafael Dos Angeles doesn't, you know, mess up his ankle, Nate Diaz, he's partying in Cabo. Mm -hmm. You know? Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Would you agree that if it were Tyson Fury against Francis Ngannou, that would be a massive fight, right, in boxing? Like, we all know Conor and Floyd, what happened. But this is different, right? Both guys carry power. Right, there is a chance if he connects, uh, you know, Fury's not going to laugh it off just because with those ten ounce gloves, it's going to be really, really tough, man. I, 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 yeah, I mean, Francis has power, no doubt, yeah, but I, I just, okay. well, Tyson Fury, from what I gather, made about forty million his last fight, but here's where boxing gets tricky. I believe he got fifty percent of the pay per views on that. They do that more in boxing. I think pay-per-views is probably where the UFC couldn't match, really, where they said, man, if we give you more than everyone else, then the next guy is going to be like, you got to give me more than this percentage. You gave it to him. I think that's where maybe it, it happened, you know, where things broke down. But uh, I think he stands to make a lot, a lot of money. It's just, I don't know. I don't know what happens with negotiations now because I don't know if this is something that you already kind of behind closed doors have uh, an understanding that this is going to happen or right. if now boxing goes well you ain't with the ufc now so what choice do you have you're going to take what we give you i don't know how all that works but i think that both parties can make it work because if john jones wins his fight with surreal by the way the worst case scenario here is if surreal gone wins that fight over john jones okay that's the worst i case think he's gonna thump him to tell you the truth you think john jones is gonna thump surreal no, i think gone's gonna thump jones I don't want to say thump, but I think this is one of the worst matchups John Jones, John Jones could have got. Mm. I think what John Jones needs is an aggressive fighter to come at him at heavyweight. He doesn't. I think versus Jones would have been a nice warm up for right. Cyril or, or Francis versus Jones. His He's best going off three fight, sorry, three year layoff. He didn't look good the last time. He not only took a layoff but moved up to heavyweight, mm -hmm. um, and he's fighting just a really well-rounded heavyweight who is gonna he, he's naturally that big you know john jones still has the skinny legs yeah i'm sure he's a little bit more jacked but come on man he's technical um, he doesn't worry he doesn't care if people boo like this is the worst guy i think john jones could could have fought out of all the names that we kept throwing out for years and years this i think is the worst i agree, I agree. and uh anyway like I say, I just think they if they would have said, okay, for one fight, it's a one-fight contract, you're doing this with Jones, but then you come back to this. Now, I guess Francis maybe flies the coup at that point and says, ah, nah, now I'm good. Now I'm going to go fight Tyson. I already just beat John Jones, and the UFC wants some sort of insurance. I get that. That's the part we don't know. But um, it still would have been such a big fight. I think that the UFC would have made, made a lot of money, and I don't think 
Big feelings would have been hurt. As of right now, they can't make the fight because he's not there. But I will say this. In the history of the UFC, Mark Coleman was a heavyweight champ. He left and came back. Came back as a light heavyweight, but still came back. Randy Couture, he left and came back as a heavyweight. He also left and came back as a uh, as a light heavyweight. So he's done it. Brock Lesnar, champ, left, came back, competed. Uh, Verdum left one time, came back, and became champ. So he wasn't champ the first time around, but he came back and became a champion. And Andre Olavsky, he left. He won the one championship, WSOF. He's been back, and he's still been with the UFC. Now he hasn't come back and become a champ again, but he was a champ once in the UFC. And I believe there's one more, too, that I'm missing. Oh, Josh Barnett. He won and then got stripped and then eventually wound up coming back years later. So, yeah, he can come back. Now, I think Francis is 36, but he's a well, con- he's in great shape. And 36 almost is like being 30, you know, in the lighter weight classes because mm-hmm. these heavyweights, they fight, you know, into their upper 30s, lower 40s, and they usually do it at a very high level. Well, so let me ask you this if John Jones gets a win over Surreal Gone, okay, after that, what are you left with? You got a Derek Lewis and a Taitui Vasa who have taken a lot of damage as of late, right? You have a Curtis Blades who that's kind of a – not very many people are going to give a shit about ordering that, right? So I don't see why he can't go do his thing and come back and that be almost an even bigger fight at that point, right? I think that's that's what I mean by what I think this might end up working out for everyone at the end of the day. I would agree that it would end up working out. I would just disagree with your original statement, which was the best thing for each side. I think the best thing for each side would have been him versus Jones in that stadium. Could be, yeah. But the stadium wasn't on the table, right? Yeah, it's true. Now, Sergey Pavlovich has been a beast. He's on the rise. Miocic says he wants the winner. By the way, Stipe, I mean, he hasn't fought in two years either. We're kind of forgetting him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Derek Lewis, you know, I don't know how many more fights he has in him. Curtis Curtis Blades is saying, okay, yeah, I, I realize what the deal is here. He called it. Um, he probably my- will get Pavlovich. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then he says, but I'm okay with it and just rolled with the punches once again. So. You know, there's too many fighters to just kind of roll with the punches and they make it easy for the UFC. They kind of say something, but then back down. So, whatever. They still, they still have some good guys. You know, Aspinall's going to come back from that uh, the injury that he suffered last year, and everybody really liked the, you know, how good he was looking. Volkov's still around. Tabora, Romanov. So, there's, there's, there's plenty of heavyweights. Don't get me wrong. It's just this guy was clear, clear cut exactly what you ever wanted if you were a promoter and somebody said hey what if i could get you the baddest man on the planet you know what would he look like you know, you wouldn't say oh seven feet you don't want a seven foot guy you know you want about that six four six five range solid you don't want some beer gut or nothing like that you know and then you want someone that's got knockout power not maybe a boring wrestler or jujitsu guy that's flopping you want the 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 knockout power and this guy had it. Oh, and he can speak English too. You know, yeah. like he literally ticks so many boxes. And that's why I'm ticked off. I hear you. Um, all right. So that that went down. It, it's it's happening. UFC 285, March 4th, Cyril Gone versus John Jones for the vacant 
UFC heavyweight title, Francis Ngannou is gone, and he's free to go sign and fight elsewhere, wherever he wants. The UFC will not hold him back. Again, offers already or interest already from Bellator, PFL, and BKFC. And, of course, we've always known that he's wanted to box, so maybe he can get down versus Tyson Fury or whoever at some point this year. I don't it think... It doesn't sound like the knee injury was the holdup. It was just the money. I don't think Bellator or PFL can give him more than what the UFC was going to give him. BKFC, I don't even think, can, can roll in with those types of numbers. So... You have to ask yourself, well, why did they do it, right? And, and I think it, I think freedom had a lot to do with it too. You know, just the ability to kind of control yourself now. But um, you know, boxing can do it, but it's temporary. It's just that one fight, really. Unless he won, imagine if he won, then he'd laugh at all of us. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. But I mean, he's he's gonna get paid. That would be something if he won. <laughs> yeah. If he if he beat Tyson Fury, all of a sudden he's the boxing world champion. Holy cow! That, How that do would you be... ever top that? How do you ever top that? You were the king of mixed martial arts, and you dethroned the king of boxing. Like, come on, man. Mm. Yeah. Well, more as that unfolds in terms of what Francis Ngannou is going to do next. You have to fight uh, Godzilla next. I think to top that. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, as far as like really, really cementing and finding out what is next for. Francis, when we know more, we'll definitely tell you more. As you all know, Eric Nixick, his head coach in MMA, is a good friend of the show. Um, and I'm sure they'll kind of maybe open up a little bit and tell us, you know, what happened here. So it's unfortunate too, goes that what happened to the three kings? You know, I'm not I'm not bashing them or anything, but literally we had two Nigerians and a Cameroonian, the three kings of Africa. If the UFC went back to Africa and all three could headline or be a same, part of the same card, which would probably be ridiculous because the UFC usually doesn't do triple, triple threats like that. They actually need these guys for the cards. But that would have been pretty epic. Two of the three would have been epic, but just one of them would have been something. Mm-hmm. And now Leon Edwards is champ at welterweight. We'll get to that in just a sec. Uh, Alex Pajeda is champ at middleweight and the heavyweight title is vacant so the 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 three kings no longer are uh in play here and i i think the ufc still would want to go to africa and and who knows maybe after ufc 286 they can take kamar uzman but uh yeah that, that'll happen quick yeah if if you did want to do uh all three of them though what if you did it Maybe not WrestleMania 2 style. Remember where they did three different cities? But what if you did it where... What do they charge for pay-per-views now? Basically 70 bucks, right? No, it's 75 or 80. It may have gone up since we started recording this podcast, but what if you just charged more and it's like a two-for-one? They did one one day and one the next in different parts of Africa or something like that. That way, all three of them could fight. That'd be kind of cool, and I might fork over money for something like that. But um, Africa's just kind of hard to deal with. You know, there's not very many places in Africa you can go to. I think that the number one candidate would have been South Africa, right? Because I think where well, they hosted a World Cup, so they probably have proper arenas, proper stadiums. But I was talking to somebody recently, and they were telling me that Nigeria could host, and 
then you have, you know, I, I'm not sure about Morocco, Egypt, um, and some of the other more well-known countries that that possibly could, you know, do a show. But you know, I think I think the goal would be either Cameroon and Nigeria. I, be, I believe Nigeria is probably be more likely, maybe to have uh, an arena or you know something that'll satisfy what the UFC wants. But I guess it's no longer in play. I mean, they were going so far that they wanted to do a, a PI out in Africa. They kept saying Puerto Rico's right around the corner, Mexico's around the corner, Africa. Those were the big three that, that I kept hearing over and over. In fact, in Mexico, they were going to have a couple, they said, at one mm-hmm. point. But, um, yeah, it's – and nobody's saying they've halted those plans. I'm just saying I think when they did it, they did it envisioning that one of these three would be a big part of a show, you know. The show and the launch of the PI would probably go together. and Couldn't have been an easy decision, that's for sure. But it does seem like um, there still was a step missing. And the step would have been Jones and Gone for the interim. And Gone and watches it unfold. Sees these guys aren't playing around because they're already at the interim stage. And then obviously some sort of a stern warning. Hey, look, we can just make one of these. Our, our our guy uh, as time goes by, but at least Nganu sees they're willing to move without him. And if Jones does do something to to uh, gone, especially if he beats him more clearly than Francis w- would, then the UFC necessarily wouldn't have to kind of have that answer that you know that that question unanswered of well, but who's who really is better, Jones and Nganu? We wouldn't know. Jones can just destroy gone. Mm-hmm. And not go five rounds like Ngannou would, then I think, you know, that's what the UFC the wants. The UFC doesn't always want what's fact. It's what they can sell, what they can feel like, you right. know, they can make you feel like well, they're not missing out on anything. Oh, yeah, we cut them, but we got the guy that actually knocked out Gone and didn't struggle and go five rounds with him. That's their way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, we're in strange times right now, but. It's there was one quote from Dana White, something about he wants to fight lesser competition and let um and less less risk. You see that kind of a, a little jab on the way out. That's silly though, right? Oh yeah, I mean, it, he does want to fight for more money. Who doesn't? But not to phrase it that way. Why couldn't he just done like he did with Nate Diaz? With Nate Diaz, he seemed pretty complimentary, even though he was trying to thump him at first by sending him at Hamza, but when that didn't work out and he had nothing left, he basically said, hey, wish him the best. This is his home. Francis didn't get that kind of an exit. Mm -hmm. But see, this is where, like, other fighters, when they see that, instead of, like, instead of laughing at it, I think you have to look at it and go, man, that could be me. You know, this is the treatment that some of us get, and I think this is what pisses people off, are those types of jabs that just are not necessary. The quote is, he wants to fight lesser competition for more money. So that's pretty much pointing the finger at boxing. Um, I wouldn't call it lesser competition because having to box Tyson Fury is no picnic. Mm-hmm. Having to MMA fight Tyson Fury would be a picnic for Nganu. But yeah. having to box him, that ain't going to be no picnic. Um, make more money? Sure. How can you fault him for that, though? You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. And, and and Dana was clear that he didn't want to let him go either. By the way, sticking with this theme, because I think we've talked this one through, um, in that same, uh, what do you call it, press conference, post-fight press conference, the whole thing with Dana White did come back. And I'm going to, I think we're going to obviously spend lesser time as thing, days the days go on from the unfortunate incident on New Year's Eve, him slapping his wife. But um, he did say something because it got brought up. He reiterated he will not receive any professional punishment for slapping his wife on New Year's Eve. Endeavor's not going to do anything. He kept asking the crowd, or sorry, the media, hey, well, what do you want? What do you what, what do you think is the right punishment? Kind of kept flipping it. Not not that they were asking him too many questions about it, but you know, it did come up. But he did say nothing ex- nothing matters except for my personal life. And I still kind of disagree, just because I've gotten it in, into it with a few people. This is still this is the guy that doles out punishments for when one of his fighters does something like this. Mm-hmm. He's never been crazy about having to deal with those instances. He's usually pissed off. And most of those fighters' heads have rolled. The ones that haven't are the ones that I guess are just too big of a name that he just kind of lets it play out. Put that in their quotes. But how can we get to that stage of him adjudicating everyone else when he's proven that it's kind of not a big deal? So if it happens, it's not a big deal. You know what I mean? Like, it's just I don't know. Um, I I want to be clear, man. I I wasn't asking for them to decapitate him, right? You know what I mean, but I, I think that's how you basically show the world that your organization stands for something, means something, and that you are a true professional sporting organization not just i guess some thuggish league where people can you know your fighters can express themselves that's great but you know constantly with the homophobic rants and the you know certain insults that are just unnecessary i guess um come on like act like sportsmen you know that's what you are you're not thugs you may have been thugs at some point and you may be one when you leave the sport, but while you're here, represent yourself, you know, the way you should and what hopefully the UFC's created as, as the platform to do. And I, I just see that kind of dis- dis- dissolving. Um, before, it used to kind of look like it was buttoning itself up each time more and more. And now I see it dissolving a little bit. I think it's taking a step back. And I think it's because of incidences like this. You know, I get what he was trying to say about his personal life. I kind of get it, but what he doesn't get is maybe he would get some of that if he didn't bring his personal life to the forefront of a gigantic company like the UFC. If he walked away, if he went away for whatever time period that is, then yeah, people probably aren't going to ask you those questions. They ask you those questions because you're there and you refuse to leave. That's why your personal life is no longer your personal life, right? He's making it that way, and he doesn't understand that. Either that or he just doesn't doesn't care. But that's why people are asking you questions, because you're in that position right now, a position that you have no business being in. 
You need to be home with your family. You need to get away, not here, not in the middle of an event. That's why people are asking these questions. That's why it's no longer personal. Yeah. I mean, what would he do if he was a fighter? If he could step out of himself, how would he admonish him? How how would he punish him? Because he's punished other fighters because of it. So how would he punish him? No. And every time, every time somebody asks him a question and he turns around and asks the same question at them, it's basically a dare. And it, it's, I dare you to keep this going. You know, it's a punishment for asking the question. And people aren't stupid. We see it. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think we're going to talk about it less and less because it's going to get talked about less and less. But there's been a lot of people that have spoken out about this. And it's for a reason because that's just kind of the way the world turns. Um, your organization is people are going to lose respect for your organization for our sport. It's causing damage that uh, a lot of people may not see, but I feel it. And I think it's going to continue. And again, I'm someone who is, disappointed in his actions obviously in his words like the follow-up but i've always liked the guy i'm just disappointed in the, in the way he's acting and i thought he was sharp and shrewd enough to know that by going away the company would continue this would eventually probably go away not forever but it would go away and he could still come back and take the reins. And then, you know, if he wanted to be here another 20 years, okay. But there needed to be a time in which he showed this is just not, it's not acceptable. And then when you go away, people will miss you. People want to give you a second chance. And that's Mm -hmm. when you, that's when you launch your comeback. But right now you just can't have this code of conduct. It, It basically means everything's a sham. Everything you've stood for in the past has been kind of a sham. You just pick and choose. And that's not the way a proper sports league works. That's what I'm trying to get at, folks. Yeah. And I can't remember what the exact question was. I want to say it was something along the lines of what would you have changed or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he said, not go out on New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. And that's the dumbest answer you could have possibly. The only acceptable answer is not slap my wife. That's what you need to say. Right? Right. If yeah, you're at you home, go out on New Year's Eve and not slap your wife. Yeah, it's not about New Year's Eve. It's not about you being out in public. It's about what you did. That's what needed to change. Power slap is still happening. He says nothing's changing. They only took a week off because he just couldn't be around to do all of the promotion and media and whatever. Um, okay, Bellator. They... We all know about the Bellator Grand Prix. And last week we told you we had four matchups or four fighters matched up. Nurmagomedov versus Benson Henderson, March 10th in San Jose. Uh, Sydney Outlaw and Barnawi, they're going to be fighting in Paris on May 12th. Then you have four fighters, Musayev, Shabli, Patriki Pitbull, and McKee. We didn't know who was going to be matched up against who, nor did we have a date. Now we know the matchups. Musayev's fighting Shabli on March uh, 10th in San Jose. So this will be the same card as Nermi and Hendo, or Bendo if you want to call him, 
By the way, Nurmi's defending along the way, so Benson's getting a crack at the title in this quarterfinal. Patricky and McKee, it's to be determined when they can fight, but uh, I guess the McKee-Frady rivalry will keep going here. He's already fought the, the little brother twice, mm-hmm. and he's one and one there, but now he gets uh, Patricky. Yeah. This... This lightweight Grand Prix, I really don't know what to make of it. Um, at first, when it came out, like my instant reaction was, what? When I looked at some of the names, then I started to warm up to it a little bit. But then I get a little angry because I just feel like it didn't take that much to maybe make it a little bit more interesting. You know what they could have done, guys? Hmm. Is brought back Eddie Alvarez, maybe. Or sign Anthony Pettis. Or Anthony Pettis or someone. I think that would have been nice. It's just one name to also throw in the mix. You know what it is? What those names do, basically what I feel like is we're just inside of that giant Bellator bubble again. And I wish there was something that came in that would make it feel different. Like we're outside of that bubble a little bit. Yeah, I agree. By the way, the other a uh, few moments ago, we were talking about the UFC pay per view price. They are up to eighty. It is seventy nine ninety nine. Uh, they made a pit stop at seventy four ninety nine for a while, but it's now up to eighty. Uh, ESPN's in charge of that, so if you want to lay the blame, I guess we can lay the blame on ESPN, ESPN Plus. But yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. And by the way, UFC two eighty three. If you look at it, I'm not telling people don't don't get it, but if you look at it, it just doesn't measure up. With other cards, um, give you an example. Teixeira versus Hill, not a problem. I don't have a problem there. It's for the vacant mm-hmm. light heavyweight title. Figueroa versus Moreno, part 84. Just kidding. Part four, down with that. Their fights never suck. Gilbert Burns versus Neil Magny. Yeah, I mean, I love Gilbert Burns, but Neil Magny is... He's never proven to be a top five guy who can be fighting for a world title, whereas Burns has. But Burns is willing to take the matchup. Magny's won some big fights along the way. He's also lost his fair share, but I don't know. It's just, you know, that's see the third fight down at UFC, what was it? 281 was Poirier and Chandler in New York. You see the difference? Mm-hmm. The same Poirier and Chandler. 80 bucks. Um, and then after that, we have Jessica Andrade and Lauren Murphy, Paul Craig, Johnny Walker, and just the you know the quality of the card just kind of starts to sink from there. And some of these fighters are really great. It's just that they haven't they haven't become those household names that we're used to. And again, I think a lot of that has to do with some of them are foreigners, they don't speak English. There's so many fighters they throw at us, we can't keep track. There's so many more promotions out there. We can't keep track, and they're not individualized. They all wear the Venom kit. It used to be the Reebok kit. It, it just looks like they're it's one body right after the next, you know, no individuality. So um, they need more of those, but still, they're charging 80 bucks, and we're going to pay it, and we're going to pay it. We're going to host a watch-along on January 21st, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Check that out. The best thing about these watch-alongs are if you decide not to let go of 80 bucks, 
You can go to Twitter and hit refresh. You can go to MMA Junkie and, and go to the uh, the play-by-play and hit refresh. You can text your buddy who, who did get it and text them over and over. Or you can listen to us and we'll tell you what's happening in real time. We'll be your eyes and ears. That's what the beauty of the watch along is. And lately, we've been having some cool guests in the studio there at the Sticky Paws studio. Shout out to Austin. Shout out to John um, for hosting us there. And we'll be back again on January 21st for that. Don't forget, spinning back click Mondays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. So basically, tomorrow morning, you can catch that show. It's live, and we'll discuss all the big topics there along with our colleagues at MMA Junkie. It's a rotation of uh, a lot of the reporters and editors on the Junkie staff. I love hosting it, and a lot of people love taking it in. Todd Duffy was telling me he tunes in and checks it out, so that was cool. Cool. But for now, we're going to bounce. Thank you all so much for your support, and uh, enjoy your evening. We'll talk to you soon. Go out and be a champion. <laughs>